McJohn Step Hell Yeah Podcast presented by Garage Bar Sports. Hell we are yeah. going to do a quick review on the Houston game from from what uh, about a week ago or so at the this Houston, point. The Houston debacle, I think. Is the more debacle. Like yes, that was terrible. Um, so we're going to go through that. We'll, we're going to highlight some key matchups for for the upcoming game this weekend, 3.30 ESPN. It's a big one. It's a big one in the conference, kind of a separation Saturday type of moment. And uh, then we're going to go around the Big 12, where we're going to talk about some of the upcoming games. We'll pick our bet selections. But, um, John, if we take a look at that game against the Houston Cougars, what was a debacle of sort at the end talk about a range of emotions where um we, well, what, we what all was went so frustrating to me was you know during the game we looked like the better much of the game like the, the first much. half was dominated by us houston game. was able to to get in that touchdown right at the end uh of the first half and then they were able to run back that Kickoff, uh, kickoff, but other than those two things, West Virginia looked really solid. Yeah. Um, not it looked smart, looked like we came to play. Uh, CJ Donaldson looked much better than he had in the prior two games. Things really gelled, and I felt, notwithstanding the score, and that we ended up going down right before half, I felt good. I thought we're going to get mm-hmm. this is going to be fine. Um, West Virginia is the better team, clearly more talented, and I thought better coached. Second half, the defense just they were able to make some good plays. Donovan Smith, you've got to give him a ton of credit. He hit he, he I think completed the, his last eleven passes or so and just found wide open guys all night. And beyond that, yeah. was able to scramble uh several times and break tackles and get downfield when when we probably should have him stopped. And so I thought his play was phenomenal, but notwithstanding that. So you go down 11 or so, right? I think we went down 11 at some point. We were down 11 with like six, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And West Virginia, after after they gave up that Houston score to go up 11, then didn't we get a penalty or something? I think we started way back and had to go a long way, way down the field. And we ended up we ended up scoring both those, getting the two-point conversion, and then taking the lead with 12 second left, seconds left on a fourth and 10 play, no less. It looked like they were just totally dead in the water and then to have it ripped away from you like that. It's hard. It's hard to be too, from my perspective, it's a little too hard to be too angry about it just because we got pretty fortunate. Now we made a play, but we, we got did. pretty fortunate yeah. to take the lead. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, the flip I, side tough, of that. It was a tough next 48 hours. But after that, you know, I you start to think about it and you're like, all right, you know, maybe it was kind of fluky. What can you do? Really, it was fluky. The the a lot of it, and and we talked after the game, and I I truly believe that if we play them eight times in Houston in that type of environment, we or ten times we win eight of them. I, I yeah, just, or even maybe more but, than that. I mean, it may be like maybe, a, a situation where you play a hundred and you win ninety nine. I mean, it's I I think we yeah. beat them most times down there. I think we were ready to play, better coached. Um, in large part. And then we just, we just didn't, the defense didn't play well. That's for sure. And Neil thought they really underperformed. Yeah. Yeah. And he was right. Defense and special teams let us down. Um, So we'll see how the Mountaineers can bounce back. And that's, that's one of my keys. If we transition now from the Houston debacle to moving back 
to Mountaineer Field with homecoming. So that just gives you a, a little bit of extra juice right off the bat. We're wearing, wearing the traditional uniforms, which Mountaineer Nation is always excited to see. Um, and I, I am just excited for this game, for the fact that this is the moment where you start to separate. Who are the contenders and who are the pretenders in this league? And I, I am really excited to see if the Mountaineers, uh, who we are. I think there's still some questions and in, in debate. And same with the Cowboys. Oh, there's they, definitely they have started. They've started yeah, to turn their season around, but now they're back on the road. And even Gundy yeah. talked about coming coming to Morgantown is. They, they act like this is some third world, world country, which I've never quite understood. I mean, you and I went to Kansas last year, and it was like the easiest trip in history. And it well, was Gundy even was pretty outspoken. Yeah, Gundy so, was pretty I, outspoken. I remember when West Virginia first joined the league um, because uh, he said something about the travel. I think he was one of the – everyone else was just, you know, puffing it, building us up, and it was a bunch of puffery and – West Virginia is great and we're thrilled to have them in the league and they're better than Missouri at this or that. And, and Gundy, I think was said, we're glad to have them in the league, but you know, it's pretty far to travel something like that. But, you know, to be totally honest, you know, Oklahoma state has played really well in Morgantown. That's just, uh, they have the fact of the matter. They haven't lost a game since 2013. That one, we were really fortunate to win, um, in a game where we had that a, was a big upset. Season. I think we had a losing season that year. Um, if yeah. I recall, that's the year we got waxed against Maryland and Baltimore and, and maybe had 50 yards of total offense. And, and then since Clint then, they've had our in. number. They've had mm -hmm. our number the year that we had. Uh, so if I'm remembering it correctly, Jarrett, did we the year that Dana went 10 and two. Uh, and he lost only to the Oklahoma schools. Did we lose right. both of those at home? I think that's the year we played OK State at night. I'm we lost sure. Oklahoma State. It was mid afternoon. It was like three thirty. I want to say. Oh, so it, it, it was it was midday. Midday game. Then. No, it was a home game. It was a home game. Oklahoma State. It was nationally oh. televised. Um, oh, yeah the the game. No, I'm remembering Oklahoma one. Are you thinking about the one that the that we, had, we ran back? Do you remember? Or, yeah, I knew that one. But at the Oklahoma game, state game, are you thinking of the one where we ran back a, a pick? Yeah, we had two. We had two yes. two defensive, and a one blocked punt. Yeah. yeah, that was a different year, I think. Was it? So that would have been the year we had Kenny Robinson. Um, and that would have been uh, 2017, right? So that was Will Greer's first year. They all run um, together, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they run together. But that was so that was Will Greer's first year. That was the first year that we had um, Jake Spavadol as OC. And the point remains, they they have played well, and kind of they funky well. things have happened yeah. in Morgantown. Uh, I mean, I For remember sure. just a couple of years ago when they were coming in, and and it was the the Chuba show, and that's yep. exactly what they did. They totally focused on on Chuba throughout that game. Now he plays for I think the Panthers and is, is still yeah. performing well for them. So. Uh, they have some athletes, and traditionally they have just jammed us up at the line with the man-to-man -man defense and their cornerbacks, and we've struggled to create separation. And that has been a consistent problem against the Cowboys. That changed a bit last year simply for the fact it was a, a bad weather game, 
and Nico comes in this weekend, which we might see this weekend. It's going to be very similar. It it seems like every year right now we play them and the weather is just some type of, uh, it's like this misty. Yeah. Hopefully the misty taste of moonshine, but, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to see how it, how it works out here, uh, with yet another game where, it's going to be, I, I think, a little bit of a struggle to pass simply for the fact that the weather could be an issue. And that's exactly yeah, what we saw the, on the road last year. It was a, it was just bang your head against the wall running game and who can, who can break away a few runs and, and seal the deal. So, Well, West Virginia would certainly like a game like that. I, I don't know that right. we'll see it again. Uh, I'd hope that our offense could continue some of the momentum they had last week and, and carry that forward and and see Garrett go out there and throw a little bit but to your point about us being able to get separation from their secondary if they're going to come up and press you know I think we're not really from a personnel perspective you know in a in a great position to counter that type of defense if they're going to do it again because we have some physicality in in Carter although I don't think he plays as physical as his stature and beyond that, we have a bunch of small guys. So, and not all that fast. I mean, Hudson Clement will, it can, once he gets going, is pretty fast. And then, um, Traylon Ray showed some speed on a, on a trick play with the, with the flea flicker last week. So maybe you try to get him, um, past that, that pressure up front. And then you have EJ Horton, who is the burner. And I think the coaches would tell you is the fastest receiver on the team. But beyond those guys, I, you know, and, and, and that's, I know I just mentioned like four out of the five receivers, so they'll really mean beyond those guys, but those guys themselves, I don't think are really the type of player that West Virginia has succeeded, um, in, in really hitting some deep balls against OK state. If you remember that game, uh, I think it was probably the 2016 game, but, but whatever game Mario Alford, maybe it was even before that, um, one of the last times before last season we had won at Oklahoma state. And Alford had a had basically what was a post route, uh, maybe 15 yards down the field and and went for 75 mm-hmm. yards for a touchdown. And we had a second long pass that game as well. And that's kind of what you need to beat that man coverage. You have to win on man against man. And we'll see if we'll be able to do that. Part of that's going to be dictated by what the weather conditions are like, too. Certainly. Yeah. Another another matchup that I'm interested to find out. How how does Alan Bowman he We've seen him before. He was at Texas Tech prior to to transferring. He then transfers to, I think he was at Michigan. Then he he leaves there, goes to um, Oklahoma State, so back in the Big 12. And I'm really curious to see how how he performs in Morgantown. So, excuse me. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see how, how Bowman comes back. Uh, we've seen him in a very different system than what he's going to be playing. And as I was looking at the Oklahoma state Cowboys and some of their statistics, I was going back to early Gundy when he first arrived or early in his tenure in Stillwater, did he not have just offensive firepower galore. I was thinking about some of the the former receivers that he had, Justin yeah. Blackman. Blackman. I can yeah. remember just countless plays that some of his big time receivers, they were yeah. always in the running for the Bolitnikov. 
He had quarterbacks all over the place. And I, short of, of Chuba, he's had some players, but the, the explosive firepower yeah. of them, let's say five years ago and, and prior hasn't really been there. So that's yeah, why he hasn't I, been able I, to keep I, it up. Yeah. I started looking at it and I'm like, I didn't realize well, name, well, that it was well, like, the same can you, can you name one player there there that like over the past five years beyond Chuba that was a a really good skill position player that stands Chuba, out as they had the, the type player? They had the receiver um, from, I forget if it was last year or the year before, he ended up sitting out the tail end of the year. And we started to see that with some of their players. Even the Chuba year, he he was disgruntled there. And was threatening not to play. Is he going to play? It was one yeah. of those types of deals. So they've been hit hard by the transfer por- portal, certainly. Well, to that yeah. point, I mean, earlier this year, it looked like they lose to South Alabama at home. And you think um, this this could get really ugly in Stillwater. And there were rumors uh, that were circulating about players quitting the team and and that type of thing and, and doing the in a forced red shirt and trying to hit the transfer portal. But, you know, quite the opposite has happened and they've turned it around. So credit to Gundy. I've always thought Gundy is absolutely one of the best. Um, not one of those most magnanimous coaches in the league. I don't think he has a lot of really close friends with other coaches and opposing fan bases don't love him. He's not one of those guys like Bill Self on the basketball side of Kansas who's going to uh, give you all the credit and defeat and uh, you know, he'll, he'll rarely do that. Doesn't talk a lot about the other team. I, I watched his press conference this, this week and um, it, he's like this every year. He, he rarely will say anything about the other team. It's all about him and, and that's totally fine, but he's just not, he's not the most likable coach in the world, but man, is he a good, good coach. And he had some chances to go some places too. And and you wonder if he regrets that now that things have kind of stagnated a little bit, but he is an okay state alum and played quarterback there. So he's, he's probably content in, in his decision-making, but to your he point, reminds me of Narduzzi at Pitt, uh, just, in what just way? with some of his press conferences where he doesn't really talk up the other team. It's all about yeah. their team. Uh, yeah. When I, when I hear him, that's, that's kind of the, the vibe that I get, I guess. Yeah. 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 I get some of that. I get some of that too, but he's a heck of a coach, good offensive coach. He and, is and very underrated. I've been able to put it together. It'll be a, be a challenge this weekend. Yeah. I mean, interesting thing. As I was looking through just some of the stats, you have to go down to, to the 20th receiver to find a cowboy listed in, in big 12 receiving standings. And that's Jaden wow. Bray. That that has not traditionally been the case from a Cowboy offense coming in here. So, again, well, we talked about this last week, Beanie Bishop. Beanie still remains at the top of the Big 12 standings. In even though he had defended. a really poor game against Houston. Poor game. It's just the entire defense. It, it was Gave up it an awful touchdown. Right before half, I think that's the touchdown to Sam Brown where totally misjumped the ball and uh, mistimed his jump rather and, and uh, gave up a touchdown where that should have been should have been defended. So hopefully he rebounds. He he's gotta play better. This defense has gotta get back on trap track, uh, Beanie. So he he is in six games, uh, nine passes defended total. So that that again that 
leads the Big 12 conference. So let me ask you so, this, Jarrett. So so I think um, one of the – well, it's not an issue, but I, I do think we talked about the weather a little bit. It's I'm interested in your thoughts on what the um, what the attendance is going to be this weekend. You're, you're coming off an uber disappointing loss. I think if you win that game, if Houston doesn't, doesn't pull off the miracle, uh, that may have saved Dana Holgerson's job, by the way, Houston doesn't pull that off. Then you have a, probably a ranked West Virginia team, or maybe you're right on the outside of the top 25 rankings still, but you have a really fired up fan base. You're five and one with a chance to go six and one. And I think even in a rain situation there, you probably put 58,000 people in the stadium, maybe more. But I don't know what you're going to see. This is the typical and it's weird because it's it's uh, we still have a good record. We've over we've exceeded and outperformed expectations. People were obviously really down coming into the year, but you've only had one. This is going to be your one and only October home game, which is really surprising. October is a beautiful uh, time of year in West Virginia, and people love going to October uh, home games in Morgantown. And this is your only one. So will people take advantage of it? I'm I'm leaning toward no, just because the tickets are are not going um not going crazy and, and you can get in for a pretty reasonable price with pretty good seats. So I haven't looked at the seats still available from the university. There may be a bunch there too, but I'm I'm not optimistic we're gonna have a large crowd. The vibe I have is the fan base needs to see more. And you were right there. You were you were right there, and and I agree with you in that it's difficult to pin this on any one person from a standpoint of you just throw up a Hail Mary, the ball gets tipped in the air, and there were countless plays throughout that game that could have gone differently. But the point remains, you're four and two, and you're coming back home now with a chance to go five and two and really assert yourself into the conference race. If you go three and one, and you you've beaten Oklahoma State, um, Texas Tech, who who has kind of been middle of the pack type team. I I really think and the Houston loss, other than having a loss, you're not gonna ha- have a tiebreaker scenario with them. So you have a loss, but you still control your own destiny moving forward. In a, so yeah, in a sense, I mean, you likely you likely do. I mean, I think. That's going to be the thing. If Iowa State continues to win, you don't play them. If Kansas continue, you know, is ends up being up there, you don't play them. Texas, you don't play them. So you could end up in a scenario Kansas State, you don't play them. So you have like three out of the top four teams uh, you're not playing. So all this talk about West Virginia's tough schedule, it turned out to be a very, very not difficult schedule, to be honest, um, no. which is why I think Neil needs to win, uh, win eight the- games against it. But the I counter mean, we'll, to you're, that you're, is we play eleven power fives. We we yeah. we have one we loss. We do, but Houston, Houston, State, the team we just is, played is barely a power five in my view, and, right. and they're probably not going to win First another year. Big Twelve game. They might. Um, well, they're and, a 20, and Houston, 23 and a half point dog against Texas at home. Yeah, I mean they just don't have the talent. The if you looked at their you looked at their secondary no, out there, it was like a bunch of five six corners. It, it just they they do not have the talent this year. And so, and the teams we're playing are just, yes, Oklahoma state's going to be more of a challenge than we thought originally. I think Baylor by the end of the year will probably be much more of a challenge than they showed early, but by and large, I mean, we, we really shouldn't complain about the schedule. Pitt is terrible. Um, terrible. So we need to win. 
And I agree, you, you know, the, the fan base is probably waiting uh, for something else to happen here. But but as you said, like this is a hugely important game because you're right here with two teams that are four and two. If you can give them a loss, get up to five wins, and then you're going to UCF, which is we're going to I don't know if we've, you've seen any early lines on that, but we'll probably be, you know, a dog, but not much of one. Um, so I give us a, a real shot down there, particularly if we stay healthy on offense and Garrett Green's running around to to win that game, and all of a sudden you're back in a potential conference race. So, and then you're then you think back to that Houston Hail Mary, and it's like we'll make you sick. Painful. But painful. Um, we'll see what happens. We need the, the uh, what happens Saturday. I think will really determine how the rest of the season goes. And I don't mean you win and then you don't lose again, but I think if you win, you got a real shot at eight nine games um to win but I if don't you disagree yeah but if you lose yeah. you're in you're in deep trouble and it may end up with neil not being around next year so and a really good bowl game opportunity as well if you're oh, looking yeah. for a guy to to look at on defense yeah. for the cowboys it's going to be nick martin he's he's all over the the big 12 statistics so so that's the guy martin remember that last name if you're at the game on saturday um, so, John, why don't we go ahead and transition a bit to around the Big 12, as we do each week. We focus on some of the, well, all of the conference games now that we're only in conference. We do. We do. So just one thing, one thing before we get there, I wanted to say, okay. just, just before mm -hmm. we get to the rest of the conference, because this would be, I don't want this to get lost. I'm not really a soccer guy. I hope that my neighbor, who's a who's from London isn't <laughs> listening, but West Virginia has a good, I'll say great soccer program. And for those of you who just follow football, basketball, or some of the other sports, West Virginia has a fantastic soccer program under the direction of Dan Stratford, who played at West Virginia and, uh, and who was a coach at division three, I want to say, or two, maybe it's two. I think two. Division three. To University of Charleston, West Virginia, won two mm -hmm. national championships there. Has come to West Virginia. I think he's now in his third year, maybe fourth. I think three. Uh, and he's won a lot of big games. They made the NCAA tournament at least one year. He has West Virginia ranked fifth in the country. His um, mentor, and I can't remember his first name now, but his last name's Grassy, also an Englishman who is the coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Uh, coached with Stratford at Charleston. They had fantastic teams, although I don't think they won a national championship there. And then Grassy goes to Marshall. And what did he do like three years ago? Win the national championship. Won the national soccer. championship. So Marshall comes into Morgantown last night, number one team in the country, sellout crowd, largest soccer, uh, largest crowd for a soccer game at Dick Lesk Stadium ever in Morgantown for a beautiful October night. Ren Baker was there in his uh, – vintage bomber jacket uh that he i saw on a tw twitter um I saw hey tweeted. some people were like obsessed with this and wanting to know where he got it and he said i got it at fanatics but it's sold out and blah 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 but it, but in any event west virginia played fantastically marshall had given up five games five goals all season all season in 12 games they are the only team in the country who had not tied a game or lost a game all year and west virginia Gave up the first goal to Marshall. Marshall scored first. West Virginia scored three unanswered in about one minute time. 
ended up scoring five goals on Marshall and winning five two. We'll see what I mean. What matters is what happens in the in the postseason. But but West Virginia had a great win at home against Marshall. So I just want to say that congrats to Dan Strafford uh, and the West Virginia men's soccer team. So that thank you, Big Twelve fans for for letting me get that out. And now we can. And the Big Twelve doesn't even have men's soccer. We're in the Sun Belt, so we yeah. can trans- transition back to Big Twelve football now. Worthy. Of of the quick note there that yes, uh, yes. that that was a, a special game, and I also saw that all time WVU in Morgantown against top five opponents is six one and one. Yeah, and that may is be that incredible. Oh, is that all time? Yeah, and all Stratford's time. won most of those, or or three or four of those, I think, including one as a player, I think. So yeah, that's a that's a great stat. Um, and you know, with Nikki Izzo Brown and what she does on the women's side, uh, West Virginia's played in a national championship game in the last 10 years and, um, and is a consistent big 12 competitor champion and, and NCAA tournament appearances happen almost every year for that program. It's really nice to get the men's program going and, 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 uh, have, have another team to follow much like the baseball program. That's really rolling right now under, under Randy Maisie. And, um, it's nice to have sports beyond the, beyond the big two. So soccer right, in West Virginia well, is looking up. So, yes, so circling yes. back around, we'll circle the wagons here. And and speaking of wagon, why don't we go ahead and start with the Oklahoma Sooners and Central Florida. Oklahoma, led by Dylan Gabriel, who played where before Central Florida? UCF, UCF yeah. Or, yes, UCF, as they go by. So UCF on the road at Oklahoma. The spread is 17 and a half. So big number as as the Golden Knights go into to Norman for their first game in Norman as a member of the Big 12 and will be their only game in Norman as a member of the Big 12. What time is that game? Who do you like? What time is the game? I had it up, and we switched gears to soccer unexpectedly. This is and important for my I moved that important. away. It is going to be 11 a.m. local Ooh. kickoff. Okay. Um, I just don't think UCF has it this year. I think Malzahn is frustrated. I think they're going to get the doors blown off of them. Uh, I don't really give them much hope of staying in that game. Oklahoma is going to be uh, coming off the high of a game against Texas. Um, I think Oklahoma absolutely smacks them. And I didn't realize that UCF was there um, this weekend, but that's great. I'd love for them to go there and get battered and bloodied before West Virginia comes to town. So uh, I'll take Oklahoma by more than 17 and a half. So Oklahoma's going to be without Anthony, their star receiver, fourth in the Big 12 and in receiving yardage. Thus far, Dylan Gabriel, however, will be playing in this game, and I'm sure he would love nothing more than than to go back against his former program and to have a good showing, and good showings he's had throughout this entire season. So, yes, I am with you. I like I like the Sooners big in this one um, in Norman. And by the way, who who beyond Brett Venable? I mean, Brett Venable. There are other coaches, I guess, that are 
in consideration, but you have to be thinking of, of Brent Venables being um, one of the absolute uh, coaches who are, who are in line for potential coach of the year award in the big 12. I mean, they were horrendous last year. Uh, I know coach Brown likes to say, you know, point to that Oklahoma win at the end of the year. They were terrible. They were terrible. I watched them live in Mountaineer field. They were terrible. There any, this is you know, a good example of of giving a coach time yeah. as they Although were they transitioning systems. They were transitioning systems majorly. The way that Lincoln Riley went out of town in the middle of the night practically takes players with him, including his star yeah. quarterback. There, there no. was bound to be a bit of a rebound from that. I although, agree with that. although it was a significant drop compared to the prior season. So, well, that I don't my... disagree that. Yeah. That that just yeah. My point is, it was a huge drop. One, two. Venables is a huge. weird guy. I mean, yeah, he's, a he's weird, odd. He's really odd. So like you you watch him. It's not like you have somebody in here that fits it, and you don't have to fit the mold to be uh, sure. a good college football coach. But he's a weirdo, and if you have a weirdo in there, does things differently, and all of a sudden your wheels start coming off, and it's like holy shit, we hired the weirdo, didn't we? I mean, if we're if you're winning, the weirdo is like. Oh yeah, this we got this mad genius like Holgerson, right? The Mad Hatter. He won four games in 2013. You know, his weirdness, his coughing every three seconds during press conferences wasn't too exciting. So, I think Venables, I, he really deserves a ton of credit. He turned it around quick. Um, they got a lot of talent in there, and he's done really well. Okay, John. So we're going to switch gears Next. here from the Sooners. Okay. We're going to go to the state of Ohio. In a now conference matchup, the Baylor Bears and Chip and Joanna Gaines, they travel to Cincinnati to play the Bearcats in Nippert Stadium in a noon kickoff that is on ESPN+. Plus. Cincinnati is currently favored by three and a half. Gosh, that's a tough one to pick. Uh, Cincinnati was really disappointing, I think, last week. Um, I'm not sold on Scott Satterfield. I think he was running from, from a little bit of something at Louisville. Uh, he, uh, I know he was a, a, a really hot name. Same time Neil was, Neil was hired, um, at when, and he was at, at app state, but I feel like app state very similar to JMU is one of those programs that can win because it's better positioned than it's, and has better history and tradition and resources than it's, um, lower level competition. And you can go there and win. And I don't care. And, and you know, hats off to Signetti, who went into Huntington and won tonight for JMU. But those are just programs that are well-oiled machines. And Satterfield has not impressed me. So I he I took Cincinnati last week. I thought Iowa State was going to falter. And uh, they've lost my trust. So I, I think Baylor is going to go in there. Aranda has shown that he can be a really good coach in this league. They've had – uh, a down year last year and had that, um, you know, have had some struggles this year, but I think uh, Aranda will take his team in there. And I think they, they beat Cincinnati straight up in Nippert. Yeah. I like the bears as well. The, the Bearcats have just, I, I don't know what it is. I think you and I both earlier in the season, we, we wanted to like them and Emery well, Jones, I assumed that He's, he's yeah, I was just, just going to say, the reason I wanted to like him, I thought their talent level was going to be – I know they lost some guys. I maybe didn't pay as close attention to it as I should have. I know they would have lost some guys with Fickle leaving, but I had assumed where they had that program 
and I knew it was going to be an adjustment still, but they played in a pretty decent league and they had an energized fan base to be able to sustain this jump. I thought it's not a huge stadium, but it's a tough place to play when, when, uh, you go in there and it's the blackout and all the excitement buzz and fan base going. And, um, yeah, they've just kind of fallen, fallen flat and, and that's, I don't think they have the talent. I mean, that's not point, something we 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 have seen this from other programs that have that have walked into the Big Twelve now, and and from an outsider's perspective, I don't. I truly believe uh, many of these programs. It's a it's a larger jump than than you realize. So so we're both going to take Baylor to stay within three and a half in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're at Cincinnati. So yeah. then we go to we'll switch gears and we're going to talk the state of Texas, where the Texas Longhorns go on the road and will face the Red Bull chugging Dana Holgerson's fresh off of a Hail Mary victory over our Mountaineers. So the spread is a big one. It's a big number at 23 and a half, which I mentioned earlier. This is going to be a Fox game at three, three o'clock local time. So how do the Longhorns perform on the road in a game in which they're likely going to have plenty of fans there to offset the Cougar fans? No, they'll have the majority of the fans there, I think, based on what we've seen about Houston's non-existent fan base. Um, so far this year, I mean, the West Virginia game was, was a horrendous showing on a Thursday night when tickets are going for $2 outside the stadium in your first year in the big 12, um, didn't even sell out your first big 12 home game. I mean, they have a ways to go and I know that they're not pleased, but they've won a bunch of games like two years ago. So I, yep. I mean, they yep. should not be this, they, look at where we've suffered through, you know? So I, I, um, uh, I, gosh. This is a difficult one um, just because I think Texas could get feel a little wobbly. They're still really good. They lost to a really good team, but I think that they could be a little stunned by what happened last week and may come in uh, because of how closely they played Oklahoma and, and the place where they found themselves in the rankings so far this year, they may go in a little bit overconfident or, uh, Houston does have really good skill position players. Sam Brown's a good player. Their other wideouts a good player. They could score some points on them. So I think if you run into a scenario where tech, where Texas, I don't think te- there's any way Texas is in serious jeopardy in this game. I would be really surprised. But I, I can envision a scenario where Texas uh, has a couple of turnovers and then all of a sudden Houston gets a couple of quick scores and it's close for a little while. So I'm probably, I'm going to take Houston. Uh, because of how large the point spread is. I think Texas probably beats them by more like 21 points. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It could easily go the other way, too. I think it's a difficult difficult choice given the spread. It is. I just think the Longhorns bounce back in major fashion. I, I think they're going to be fired up. They're going to have a lot of players that have, have grown up around that area. And um, yeah. I, I just think Quinn – back on track for the Longhorns and they go on the road into Houston and get a big win. So I'll take the Longhorns. So that leads us to Texas Tech on the road at BYU. And it looks like 
Texas Tech is favored by three on the road um, in the FS1 six, or that would be five o'clock local time. 7 p.m. Eastern? Utah, 7 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, I think I cannot believe Texas Tech is favored in this game. BYU is not good, but I I just don't trust where this Texas Tech team is. They don't seem really solid to me. Um, you know, the way they were able to bash Houston, I know it was, it was not very good, but then come back and play the, the way they did last week. Um, I, at home, I certainly don't trust them to go on the road and win this game. I, I, um, I would be surprised if they won. I'm surprised they're an outright favorite. I would take um, BYU all day long. I, BYU I has a surprisingly and- underrated home field advantage. I mean, they, they pack that stadium all the time. I agree with many of the points. The disagreement for me would be the running back for Texas Tech. We saw him earlier this season, Brooks, and he's a stud. Yeah, he's he he he's, he's a difference maker. That that I think he's ultimately going to be the difference maker in this game, and I I would rate this as low confidence. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's a push at at three. But I'm going to take the Red Raiders. So we're going to differ in this one, John. And I've got you down for BYU. And I'll take Texas Tech okay. guns. And are these up. all the games you've gone through so far tonight? They're, they're all Saturday games? Yes. All Saturday okay. games this we week. We don't have a game tomorrow? No. Okay. Okay. So I'm making my notes as we go through and select these picks. That takes us to... TCU on the road to Manhattan, Kansas, where where the Horned Frogs have have looked better coming off of a huge win at home against BYU. They now travel into Manhattan where it can be a tough place to play. And the spread is at six and a half. It's going to be six o'clock local time on ESPN2 where Kansas State, they, they two weeks ago lost to Oklahoma State. They flipped back around this past week and win a tough game on the road in Lubbock by 17. So here they come. Here they come back. And um, how do they perform at home in front of their, their home fans? This week. Yeah, I don't think I don't trust TCU in the Kansas. It would be a great outcome if TCU was able to go in there and, and win that game. I don't I don't think they'll really come close. So I, I would I think the, the line's a little low. I think Kansas State wins by a touchdown or more. And I just wrote my name down next to the Wildcats as well. So give me the Kansas State Wildcats to win by more than a touchdown. And that leads us to to the game that we're focused on this weekend which is a game on ESPN, 3.30, local time, and Eastern, as the Oklahoma State Cowboys come into Morgantown, which seems awfully distant into the sunset if you're Mike Gundy and flying in an airplane. So how do the Cowboys make the ginormous journey to Morgantown and perform 
at Milan Pushkar Stadium. Yeah, Jared. So as we talked about, I think this is a, a really huge game for West Virginia uh, in terms of how the rest of the, the season plays out. I have high faith uh, in this team uh, and my mic just went out. Let's, let's see if we can figure this out here. So while you're doing that, I'm going to I'm going to follow up and I'm going to say that that the Mountaineers win by a touchdown. We saw them go on the road last year and win a tough game in the elements in Stillwater. And I just think there's this team has something about them. They don't they don't quit. They don't stop. They keep going. And and we saw that last week kind of come back around, albeit in a Hail Mary. That that's what one out of a hundred or whatever. So so give me the Mountaineers to win by more than three and a half in Morgantown for homecoming. I agree, Jerry. Got the mic situation figured out here. Uh I think uh that West Virginia um, ends up winning this game covers covers the line. Um, I think West Virginia is uh, going to bounce back after last week's game. I have a high degree of faith in this team and this coaching staff. I think there's just something about this team that we're going to show a lot of maturity and come back. And I would not be surprised at all if we're able to do that in a way that gives us the They'll win by more than a uh, you know a touchdown or maybe in the ten point range. So I'm I'm going to take West Virginia to uh, to win and to cover the spread at home. I like it. I like it. So we've covered we've covered a little bit of soccer. We've covered West Virginia. A recap on on Houston quickly. We focused on the Oklahoma State. Cowboy matchup, and we circled the wagons and went around the Big 12 conference talking about our best bet opportunities or what we would select if we're betting these matchups over the weekend. Any final thoughts leading into homecoming weekend in Morgantown, John? Nope, really excited to be there to watch the game and uh, uh, looking forward to another weekend of Mountaineer football. Looks like we got a great slate around the Big 12 this weekend. So uh, look forward to, to uh, following those other games as well. Feel free to interact with us on any of the social media accounts that we have. If you have questions or if, um, or if you have anything that you want to draw our attention to that happens, some crazy play or something like that in Big 12 play this weekend, be sure to let us know. So like and subscribe. We're going to be in Morgantown. And then the following weekend, um, the Mountaineers go on the road to Central Florida, where where I'm going to make the, the trip down for that game. So uh, we've got some exciting Big 12 matchups coming up this weekend and a separation Saturday. Who are the contenders and who are the pretenders? We'll find out. See you next week.